You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Juice Therapist, founder of The Juice Works and Lab Fitness. Growing up in Spain, this week's guest was a foodie before she even knew what the term meant. Indulging in home cooking with a real emphasis on quality ingredients, she has always lived a healthy lifestyle. Moving to Ireland to first learn English and then staying to follow her passions, it was only when her mother developed a serious illness that the potential healing powers of raw juice caught her eye. Witnessing firsthand the seemingly miraculous effect drinking daily concoctions had on her mother's health, she signed up to a course and two years later her business was born. Chatting about the benefits of supplementing with juice, the realities of the health industry and her journey to where she is today, here's what it's like to be Laura Armada Bush. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I think it's incredible what you've built with your business. And you. before we dive into that and into, you know, the middle of your story, I'd like to go back to the very beginning and talk mm-hmm. a bit about what your experience was like growing up and a little bit about how health and fitness slotted into that, whether it was always a factor. Well, so I'm I'm not Irish, obviously I'm sure people will know by the accent. I'm from from Spain, I'm from Barcelona. So I was born and rare over there. And at the age of 18, I had the mental idea of moving over to Ireland. <laughs> uh, but living in Spain, um, I mean, I'm sure everybody has heard of the, the, the Mediterranean diet is very famous over here as a very healthy diet. So I was lucky enough to be born with that. Um, everything, it's, it's very different. It's, it's very, and I think that the Spain that a lot of people see, the holiday that place that people go to is very different to the real Spain. Um, we had very little supermarkets growing up. Everything gets bought in food markets. Uh, at the time when I was a kid, I think there was only two supermarkets and my town, my town would be quite large. Uh, so everything is about fresh food, uh, about buying things that are in season, about your mom in the kitchen or your dad cooking everything from scratch. So I would have grown up with my mother at five o'clock in the morning in the kitchen already preparing lunch from scratch. Um, I had never seen a, a jar of sauce before I had moved over to Ireland I thought that's something really? that you see in the movie I swear I was spo- spoiled when it comes to food so <laughs> when I moved over here on my own and I had to cook for myself was a shock to the body and to the system but yeah everything is very outdoors the weather really helps uh, you can always be outdoors literally 12 months of the year so it's a very I had a very active uh, um, upbringing I got to do loads of activities I was one of those kids that Got up one morning, Daddy, I want to be an ice skater. Uh, my dad, are you sure? A hundred percent. So we'll get to do ice skating. Uh, or the next week, I wanted to be a mountain climber. So I got to experience loads of things. And I think that's where my love for fitness uh, came from. And then the nutrition side of things, I didn't really realize, because to me, it was the norm that we were eating. But when I moved over here to Ireland, my first year in Ireland was quite, uh, I put on a huge amount of weight. I discovered brown bread and butter, (laughs) (laughs) the amazing Irish butter. And and I really realized how different, not only the the food, but the way people see nutrition. So that kind of made me a bit more interested in the subject. That sounds like you had a really exciting upbringing with all the different activities you could do. And so you said you moved over to Ireland when you were just 18. Mm-hmm. So what was what were you doing when you got here? And I suppose why I'm asking that question is I'm so curious to know how you ended up being the entrepreneur that you are and setting up your business. 
So I wanted to be, my dream as a kid was always to be a translator and interpreter. I could picture myself working in Brussels uh, and, and being able to speak loads of languages and able to communicate people. That kind of like my background was had all been languages. My brother is, a, is a, one of the main translators for Volkswagen in Spain. So it kind of runs in the family. That's kind of the way we went. Um, so after finish, finishing the equivalent of the Living Cert in Spain, uh, I decided to take a year out just to come here and improve my English. I already spoke basic English, but I kind of knew if I wanted to go into translation, I had to get my level, I had to get much better. So I took a year out and I came here as an au pair. Uh, to work for uh, a year just to kind of like you know do a full immersion into the culture and the language and that's how I ended up here uh, that my plan was to go back home to Spain after 12 months and that's to go back to college uh, so I came over here they tried the au pair thing didn't go to plan uh, ended up with one of those horrendous stories that oh, no. you read in the magazines but I had been to Ireland before as a student in the summer uh, so I knew Irish people were amazing uh, and I knew that what I had experienced as an au pair wasn't the norm in the country. So that kind of made me think, okay, I'm not going to go back home to Spain, I'm going to stay here. In fact, I never told my parents that I had issues with my au pair family, only my brother knew. So we kept it away from my parents because my mother would have had a heart attack if she knew at the age of 18 I was here on my own with no job and nowhere to live. So uh, we, my brother on my side, we, we got myself a job, I could find myself somewhere to live and I stay here for the remain of the year. Uh, during that time, I met my now Irish husband, and that kind of thing was one of the reasons why I never went back home to Spain. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up doing my degree and my master's over here. So I still, my idea of being a translator was always there. So I went to UCD for my degree and, and to this year for my master's. What happened uh, then was while I was at college, obviously I couldn't ask my parents to support my degree over here it was my choice to stay in Ireland and while in Spain my education would have been free over here you had to pay I couldn't expect my parents working family to be able to uh, pay for what I wanted to, to do so I started working as a fitness instructor I used to do that at home in Spain after school I did a basic fitness qualification so just to pay myself through college I started just teaching like local classes uh, hiring halls in the area uh, when I finished my degree, then I, have, I realized a bit late that it was really hard for me to get a job as a translator in Ireland. When you translate, you're supposed to be translated into your mother language, which I've been into Spanish or Catalan, because I was away from Spain for so long. My Spanish and my Catalan weren't pure enough, so nobody would hire me. It would be fine if I decided to go back home to Spain, but over here it was too hard to find a job. So at that stage, I had two choices. I could either just pack everything up and move back home to Spain, or I could just try something different. So my little fitness business had picked up quite a lot during my four year college life. And I decided just to go full time into that. So that's how Lab Fitness, which is my initials, Laura Armada Book, got started. Wow, that's quite the story. I love how you just followed what you wanted from day one. Um, I think that's really inspirational. And so obviously you mentioned there, you turned it into Lab Fitness, which is your, your fitness studio. So. I know that you maybe not out of choice had to pivot in your career, but how mm -hmm. did you find those early days when you did, I suppose, realize you were now going to go full time with this. This is what it was going to be for the foreseeable. How did you feel in that time and how was that transition for you? I think when you're in a situation, I always think that some of the choices I made over here, I did them because I was away from home. 
sometimes when you are not, I think sometimes people are afraid to take risks because you always think at the back of your mind, what are people around you going to think about you? What happens if I fail? Because I was away from my environment, that kind of fear went away. You know, I wasn't really, I didn't really have family. Not many people knew me. So if I failed, I failed. That's it. I think it would have been different. It had been at home in Spain, even though this is home for me now. So I just took the risks. And I always believe I'm a very passionate person. I don't know if it comes with Mediterranean or Latino, <laughs> but I always believe if you believe in something 100% and in your head you believe it's going to work, there is no room for failure. There may be lots of bumps and hiccups on the way, but there is no room for failure. Yeah, I love that. And I think, again, as I said already, it is so inspirational to hear that. And I agree with the fact that once you've been removed from your comfort zones and what you know, you maybe have that inclination towards risk taking than you would be if you're in your comfort zone. But so obviously, outside of lab fitness, you also run the Juice Works, which Mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool, interesting space to have gotten into. So what made you want to go and study to be a juicing therapist? Well, there's a bit of a mad story. And I think it's like everything in life. I think the things that really make a big impact in your life were never planned. So yeah, so uh, lab fitness at this stage was going really well. It had grown into a big company. I was doing plenty of training. And at home in Spain, I've always stayed very, very close to, to my parents. Even though I'm here 23 years, we will chat all the time. My mother, uh, so literally, I always like to tell people my story. It comes, I think, from my parents. I have two very healthy parents. I would always have considered my mother to be much healthier than my father. Um, on my dad's side of the family, people seem to live forever. My granddad only died at the age of 102. My father is 73 and has never been sick in his life. He can't even understand why people get a head cold. And uh, they all live to be very, very old. So I just think genetically they're pretty supposed to be strong. On my mom's side of the family, there's been a lot of health issues, like many families. There's been cancer, there's diabetes, uh, asthma, arthritis, you name it. There is a history in there. So for many years, my mom seemed to have this cough all the time. It wasn't even a cough. She just it had something stuck in her throat. And we would spend the whole day going, Mom, would you just please get it out? She, I can't, I can't, I can't. This went on for years and years. And while I was here, I think I was living in Ireland about 10 years at the time, my brother found my mom gasping for air at the top of her apartment block. So I brought her to the hospital and they did an x-ray and the doctor on day asked my mother how many cigarettes she smoked per day. To this, obviously my brother and my mother took a high offense because my mother has never smoked a day in her life and we have non-smokers in the family. And they say, no, my mom doesn't smoke. And he says, oh, no, your mother has a set of smokers lungs. It's 100% has to be a smoker. Anyway, so we were quite shocked to then discover that she had an illness called lung fibrosis, which since then I have realized that in Ireland it is quite uh, common. In Spain, it was very unheard of at the time. And it is an associated uh, illness that comes with a lot of people that smoke. So at the time, there was only a couple of cases in the whole country of people non-smoke related that had developed the the disease. Uh, For lung fibrosis, there is no cure. So it's a progressive illness. And the only thing you can try to do is through medication to slow it down the pace at which progresses. So obviously, we got all in, tried to help her. But unfortunately, my mom is one of those people that if there is 100 side effects to a medication, she gets 120. She always jokingly says that if she was if it was the lotto, she would win the jackpot every single week. <laughs> she is that lucky. Get them all. Um, so a lot of things happened with her. She kind of responded okay to the medication, but a lot of the side effects uh, made her quality of life much worse. So she developed um, a type one diabetes, so insulin dependent diabetes, and she developed. Uh, 
um, arthritis, osteoporosis, and the worst thing as a side effect was she eventually developed breast cancer. Now, the cancer, because she was so well looked after by her medical team, it was caught on time. So they were able to remove the lump and she only needed a radio, radiotherapy. So it was quite good. We were quite happy with how everything had gone. However, human error happened as it happens with, uh, with all, all professions. And they went too heavy on the radiation and they burned her good lung. She has a good lung and a bad lung. So the good lung was born by the radiation. The only way to explain this is as if somebody had put an iron on her chest and her breast and had left it there for two days. Oh it was God. black. It was completely black. And the blackness stayed from here the whole way through the back. Okay. So I would say to people, cancer didn't kill my mom. <laughs> the treatment nearly did, you know. Um, yeah. And as much as a positive person she is, she went downhill from here. She started losing weight rapidly. She looked, she looked really, really bad. So at this stage, my dad rang me and my brother and said, look, mom, things weren't looking well. You know what I mean? She just, it just, she had lost her drive. She had lost her appetite. So at the time I kind of panic. And I think like any, any son or daughter, if you know that your parents are sick, you will try absolutely anything. You know, you will go yeah. to any extent to help them. So at the time it was January. And like many people, I had a juicer in my kitchen that comes out every January and, you know, <laughs> overindulgence after Christmas and you yeah. feel like oh, they need to do something good for your body. So I packed my juicer and I went home to Spain, to Barcelona. And uh, I was reading loads about it. I know she's type one diabetic, so I'm aware always was aware that she can have too much fruit because fructose and went over home started juicing for her um only vegetables two three times a day and she's a very good patient you tell her to do something and she does it within 14 days there was a slight improvement her energy was slightly back and we're like wow okay um, so that maybe there's something into this so i just was happy enough that there was a small improvement i left the juice there my dad kept juicing for her we kept in touch every day and she was getting better and better that following summer we went on holidays to southern spain with my kiddies and my husband and they came down to meet us and when i saw her it was like having a new mummy all over again and i just wow. couldn't get over her. it wasn't just only that she looked good it's that she, she she was running after my kids around the swimming pool I just couldn't put two and two together. For about three or four days, I kept looking at her. So, mom, so, so what, what did you do? Did they change your medication? She goes, nope. I just kept on juicing two, three times a day. And I was like, nothing else, nothing else. I asked my dad, mom, done something different. Nope, just kept juicing two or three times a day. What did you tell her to do? Now, I was just winging it, okay? So just to be clear, at this stage, she was totally winging it. Um, and I just, I just for, the, for the two weeks on holidays, I just couldn't understand her vitality, her energy, her glow for somebody that eight months before we thought we were going to lose her. So Google, good old Google came in and I started doing a bit of research. I had come across a fellow fitness instructor in the UK that had trained as a juice therapist. So I just decided just to get in contact with her and find out more. What was it? What could you do? I was just hungry to find out was it just a one-off, which is just pure luck that my mom had reacted the way she reacted or to something behind it. And that's all I wanted to do. I'm a very curious person and I like to investigate things. So yeah, so I just told my husband, so look, there's this training I can do in the UK. I have to fly over a few times. I can do distance learning. Would you mind? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I enrolled on the training, which today, having done a master's and a degree in college, this was by far the hardest training I have ever done. Yes, really? the most rewarding. Yeah, the most rewarding. And um, it was, it opened my eyes. I thought up until that point that I was a healthy person and then it makes you realize that being healthy nowadays in the in the world that we live is just not enough not enough so yeah so that was i was 
fascinating. And the more I was learning, the more I, I wanted to tell the world about it. I'm one of those people that I find out something and I want to spread it <laughs> all over the world. Um, so yeah, so I finished my training after two and a half years with them. And I came back to Ireland and um, I told my husband, I said, I was thinking of maybe I could start making a couple of juices a week for my fitness clients. All of my fitness clients had followed my journey. They knew what had happened. They knew about my mom. So because they knew the story, they wanted to start having juices as well, you know? So that was the plan in my head in an ideal world that was going to make a couple of juices a week for a few of my clients. So we just built the smallest, I mean, the smallest juicing kitchen you can think of. It was nine square meters. That's how small it was. And we started juicing. Within three months, we had people driving. And we're in County Loud, okay? So we had people driving from Mullingar. We had people driving from Kilkenny. We had somebody driving from Donegal to buy your juices. And I was like, wow. 100%. And I couldn't comprehend why. At the time, we were in shipping, so literally, you just had to come. And then I found out through clients that there was, at the time, there was hardly anybody in Ireland doing raw juicing. And by raw juicing, a lot of people do not understand this. When you pick up a juice in a store, in a supermarket, that juice, even though it says cold press on the label, that juice has gone through a process called HPP. HPP stands for High Pressure Pasteurization. And I'm sure there's many people that may be listening that totally disagree with me on this one, okay? They'll tell you it's the good thing because it kills all pathogens and it kills all bacteria. And all of a sudden, a juice that should only last four or five days in the fridge last six months. My training tells me that those bacteria, that bacteria in there, and those life enzymes is what somebody who is sick really needs. Um, so it seems that people that do their own research keep coming over to us for juicing as opposed to buying one in the supermarket. So this is how, how can it evolve? There was never a plan to grow a company. There was just never, ever, that was never the plan. But when you get people who are sick people, like my mom was, that they tell you how much this is doing for them, it kind of keeps you want to go, keep going and going. And juicing, if anybody juices at home, they know juicing is a very, very hard job. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of produce for a very little end product, you know, but it's very rewarding to see that it's helping people. Um, so that's how, how we kind of started growing. And then we came to the point that that little juice kitchen wasn't enough. So we invested in, we bought a, a wreck of a factory, we renovated it for a few years, and now we have a, a full 2,000 square foot juicing uh, factory that we operate uh, four days a week. Now, still a really, really small business. There's only two of us in the business. So people don't realize that cold press juicing is a mega slow process that can't be sped up. You cannot mass produce it, that it cannot be done. But yeah, we, we, we ship nationwide now. And now I think we've grown into the largest raw juice producer in Ireland. That is one incredible story. And I think the world of health will never stop amazing us it's so mm -hmm. crazy to hear the impacts that something that looks so simple as a glass of juice did for your mom mm -hmm. and what you're now doing for other people i think that's absolutely incredible and you explained a bit there about i was going to ask you about the difference between raw juice and because i feel like people just automatically assume like oh well of course all juice is raw that's what it is yeah. you know but it's <laughs> it's as you explained there it's it's all very different but what uh, maybe in like a, a nutshell in a brief because i know there's probably so many different scientific answers to this, but what is it about juice that has the power to heal someone? Well, you think about it, I would say to people, like this is 500 ml bottle, okay? There is almost two kilograms of vegetables packed in here, mm. okay? So I eat vegetables every day, loads of them. Do I eat enough? Most definitely not. So to me, it's 
somebody doesn't have any underlying health conditions that I'm aware of, to me it's a way of supplementing, make sure I get enough micronutrients. In the fitness world, and I know this from, from my fitness background, is everything in the last five years has been about macros, okay? Everything has with your carbs, your fat, your protein, okay? Protein has become the god of fitness, yeah? And there's not enough people talking about micro, micronutrients, which is your enzymes, your vitamins, your minerals, okay? They are, I like to think of the little soldiers that power the rest of the macros, you know, and the ones that people are not looking enough. And what people don't take into consideration is that nowadays, unfortunately, because our soil, our land is over farmed, okay? The nutrients on the soil are nowhere near what they're supposed to be. Like you would need to eat 40 apples nowadays to get the same amount of micronutrients that an apple in the 1950s. Oh like, goodness. did you know an apple, a non-organic apple that you buy in a supermarket nowadays, you know the average age of the apple by the time it gets to your house? I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> have a guess, have a guess, see. Oh, the average age of the apple, maybe like six weeks? Mm-hmm. between 12 and 18 months oh my goodness that's disgusting oh and unfortunately this is what wow. we are eating okay this wow. is unfortunately what we're eating so things always look shiny things look look fabulous okay but you're actually better off by the non-shiny local farmer down the road that got picked maybe two or three days ago as for some shiny apple that came from the other side of the world from new zealand you know what I mean? In, yeah. in a perfect, and, and stays in your house perfect for another six weeks with no yeah. problem. You know? And people don't question this. So people think that just because you eat fruit and salads and vegetables that we're healthy, there's just not enough nutrients. And this is what we're getting. I mean, we are, this is the sickest generation there has ever been. Okay, the more, the more overfed, undernourished generation ever. And sometimes, and, so, and I know it's a very simplistic idea, but it is as simple as nourish yourself properly you know your body needs nourishment without nourishment we can function and i do believe that of all aspects in life okay your your health is, should be your number one without your health nothing else can function properly know your yeah. job know your love know your passion nothing like that so you do need to focus on your health and we've become so caught up on everything this doesn't seem to be enough time to nourish yourself isn't it so i like to think sometimes as my my fast food, my healthy fast food. Okay. Like, as I said, I eat very well, but sometimes I overwork and I know I could happily reach for a chocolate bar instead of that. I reach for one of those. I mean, I may still have the chocolate bar. Don't take me wrong, but at least I know at the end of the day that I am trying to pump up my body with as many nutrients as possible. And remember at the end of the day, all illnesses root in inflammation, inflammation and toxicity in the human body. You know what I mean? So, I always say to people, whenever you're eating something, it's as simple as you said, is this going to nourish me? Is this going to harm me? It's, it's that simple. It's about retraining our brains, how we see food. And food doesn't have to be boring. I mean, I love, I'm a foodie. I love food, you know, but it's about make the right choices. Because unfortunately, and the one bad thing about my job as a therapist is not one single week, I don't get that dreaded phone call, that dreaded email from somebody who just got a really, really bad health diagnosis and all of a sudden they want to do a drastic change and unfortunately miracles do not happen in most cases you know what I mean? it's about prevention it's about prevention if there is nothing wrong with you right now today's a day where you go okay what can i do you don't have to drastically change your lifestyle okay but what can i do today to make my diet slightly healthier than it was yesterday about small changes because later on in life when we when we age and we encounter health issues, how you have looked after yourself for the previous 20, 30, 40 years could determine a lot of the outcome. 
Yeah, it's so true. And even just sitting here now, I'm starting to think, oh God, I've definitely, <laughs> it's just been Easter. I've definitely <laughs> into it. And now I'm like thinking about how I need to change my diet as well. But it is so true. And it's so, so interesting to hear, you know, the actual, the hard home truths behind those things, like what you just said about the apple, that's absolutely shocking. And I'm sure the same story goes with pretty much any fruit and veggie buy in the, in the Look, I went, um, I was lucky enough to be selected to do a couple of, uh, business because I, I do not have any background in food production so yeah. Ireland has lots of good programs for things like that and, and I got sponsored to do a couple of them and one of them which I will not name was about taking small uh, food producers in Ireland prepared to grow and to go into supermarkets and even though I knew my product was never a supermarket product I thought it was very good for, to learn about it and the one thing I got from my training and this is from the top expert food producers uh, in Ireland is that so nowadays, it's all about marketing a healthy product, not making a healthy product. You market it, okay? You make it look healthy, people will buy it. But your number one priority is your profit margin, okay? So make it as cheap as possible, okay? But make it look expensive and people will buy it. It's all about long shelf life. It's about low cost. It doesn't, Health doesn't come into it. So when... Mad Laura from Spain came in, well, I want to save the world, so you see, they all told me what I'm doing is business suicide. And to this day, they still tell me that what I'm doing is business suicide. Having a product that has only a five-day shelf life, how, why would anybody want to buy it? And I just want to prove them wrong. That's all I want to do. And I, when I finish my training, I just told them, I really hope that someday in the future, you do not have to contact me because you are that person in that position with a diagnosis you know and then all of a sudden your shelf life and your expensive marketing to make it look healthy may not be as relevant to you yeah that's crazy i always think it's so interesting to hear the behind the scenes especially of the health industry in general because it's such a topical um industry and there's so many things that you might look at and think mm, don't know but but there's just so much marketing that goes into it so oh. many promises and you know all of these kind of things but and so I guess leading on from that, juicing in general, I feel like it has so many benefits, but there is also this negative maybe connotation towards it in terms of juicing cleanses and mm -hmm. attaching them to health fads and diet fads. You know, I'm going to juice for three days and then I'll be skinny for it's summer. Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, oh, really, yeah. I'm really and, curious to hear your take on it and your experience. Okay, And this is the thing, okay. And anybody that knows me will tell you, I have never once uh, promote juice cleansing for losing weight ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even though I would say it's the most asked question I get via emails or oh, how much weight would I lose? I will always explain when you do a juice cleanse, what you're trying to do, you're trying to reset your body. I mean, people go, oh, but cleansing, you, you don't need cleansing, you don't need detoxing. You don't need it. Your body naturally detoxes. That our liver, one of the main functions of the liver is to cleanse. But there is such a thing as giving your body a helping hand. Okay, yes. it's as simple as that. Okay, and, and it's about just, if you think about it, your digestive system takes so much energy of your everyday. Most people go through life not understanding and not getting to know how much energy they can have naturally because we are not sleeping enough, eating the wrong stuff, constantly snacking. So when your digestive system has to be constantly breaking down food, all that energy is taken away from you. Okay. If you allow your digestive system to have a full rest, okay, any underlying health issues in your body can heal faster. Okay, and it gives you a sense for how much energy you can have consuming less food. Okay, so it's almost a retraining of the mind, it's an awareness. Okay, sometimes we know that 
touching fire is going to burn you, but until you touch it, you actually don't go, oh, well, actually, it burns me, okay? And people don't realize how amazingly we can feel as humans, okay? Because of our life choices, our lifestyle, mainly coffee, sugar, processed food, snacking, okay? This is what we're doing all the whole time. So that's what juice cleansing is all about. As I said, juice cleansing is not for everybody. I personally don't do it because my eating habits are quite good. So I just supplement by one a day. But I have people that it has changed their lives. My husband had naturally very, very high cholesterol. And while the doctors wanted to put him on, on medication, he instead did a seven-day juice cleanse and managed to get his cholesterol right down, right down, you know? So it's not about losing weight, although a lot of people will go, oh my God, I lost so much weight. You're losing a lot of fluid, okay? Mm -hmm. so that will come back on it. But what you lose is bloating. You lose um, that... Um, edge that you're constantly looking to eat all the time and it makes you aware of number one mental focus you become so much more focused mentally your skin gets brighter your sleep improves so it's almost like a quick fix okay like a kickstart for you to then continue with a healthy lifestyle okay you know sometimes people get up on a monday and they want to oh i'm gonna start a diet today and then by monday afternoon it's gone out the window okay <laughs> willpower gets exhausted very quickly just cleanse it's in a short period of time allows you to do that transition. Nobody finishes a cleanse going, oh, I want to have a takeaway, okay? Everybody craves salads and uh, soups uh, and, and vegetables when they finish a cleanse because they've seen how amazing they feel and they want to keep that going. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, especially the energy point because even just talking to you know my friends, people around me at the moment, I don't know if there's something in the air with the pandemic exhausting everyone and things, but there definitely is this general lack of energy amongst people, I think. And so something like that, it sounds but like we all need to do it. <laughs> people are exercising less. People have less human contact. Remember, we feed each other's energy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So the fact, the separation that we're doing at the moment, that's really bringing us down. But again, people are staying indoors much more. People are snacking much more. And unfortunately, we're not snacking on the good stuff. Most of us are going for the bad stuff. So as a result, your energy goes right down. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. And so, you know, you've you've cultivated this, this business for yourself, grown out of, I think, the incredible story and the result that you saw that you were just so fascinated by. So I know that you just mentioned there as well, you don't think that it's going to be a supermarket product because you're so focused on the pure health benefits, not just trying to sell on a mass consumer basis. So what does the future hold for you or what's the goal with this if you have one? The goal, funny enough, I actually don't have a goal, believe it or not. I'm just happy to keep going. As long as I, uh, I know I'm helping people, I will keep going. I mean, it's just like my husband has asked me many times, <laughs> just when you're not just give up now, uh, you're pointing your life, you can give up work. And I goes, no, it just, I'm passionate. I'm really, really passionate about health. Um, I, I mean, I love teaching. I love teaching fitness classes. I still do that. But I love hearing the stories from clients. I love when, when somebody who has had uh, psoriasis for years and nothing was helping, they find that by drinking celery juice once a day, it's starting to clear, you know? Uh, or when you hear um, uh, somebody that is saying that, that the, they couldn't sleep or because they have a very high blood pressure, they are starting switching to drink beetroot juice every day and the blood pressure is regulated naturally. All those things just keep me going. They just keep me going. And uh, I'm not looking to get any bigger. I'm not looking to get any smaller. I just, I'm happy to go with the flow with how things, as long as there is a demand for raw juicing, I will keep going. 
I love that. I think that's so nice to hear that you're so driven by passion rather than anything else. And I think that's, it's such an inspiration for people to hear that. And don't get me wrong. I, I do understand that when in business, uh, you have to be in a profitable business 100%. Okay, you cannot do that. But I do believe there is more to life than money. Okay, money, it's nice to pay your bills. Okay, health feels so much better than money. And if I can help people with that factor, I'm just happy to keep going. Yeah, I just think in the last year, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you as well, is because health has just been, it's something that we've needed to address for so long. Everyone's getting more obsessed with surface level things and trying to be busy all the time and all this kind of thing. And it's just really put everyone back to the core of everything, which is if you're not healthy, you don't have anything. So I think it's so refreshing to hear all of your insights on that. And then just to wrap everything up, I'd be so curious to know if I put your 10 year old self in front of you, looking yeah. at everything you've done in your life since then, which has been so yeah. many different things, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give that 10 year old self moving forward? I would say, funny enough, when I was not 10, when I was 14, I had a picture that made us do an exercise to say, where do you see yourself in 10 and 20 years? And I wrote down, I will be in Ireland running my own business, being no passionate way. about it. Yeah. And he still they actually have a frame in my school because I actually went ahead and did it. My only advice is, is passion. You just follow whatever life. I'm not a religious person. I don't know if it's an, an afterlife after this one, but I believe we all should give our best go at this one. Okay. Life could be very short. Just live every day to the most. Do as much good as you can to people, you know, and follow your dreams remember if there is passion behind those dreams there is nothing that can stop you you can have obstacles you can have bumps okay you get up and you try harder and that that and that was life that's the way i see life i think that's incredible and that's so so mad to hear that you almost predicted your future at 10 years old or 14 whatever you said there that's so cool to hear um and i just want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for giving up your time this morning to share all your insights i feel like this conversation has been such an education for me because i definitely need to learn more about my diet <laughs> and how i'm nurturing my body but thank you so much laura i really appreciate it thanks so much for having me really enjoyed it thank you so much for listening and as always please rate, share and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to follow at what it's like pod on Instagram and Facebook. To find out more about how you can start juicing like Laura, visit the links provided in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more inspiring stories. But for now, this has been what it's like with Luce.